It's Dominique de Prima live from somewhere in America. And I would love to hear from you right now. Miss you, 800-920-1580. Crazy things going on. But you Are you tracking this diplomat, this uh, Manuel Rocha? He's a former ambassador to Bolivia who apparently was a spy for Cuba for decades. Sounds like 30, 40 years. That is crazy. Uh, the Secretary of State said this is the longest term breach of intelligence possibly in U.S. history. He was a secret agent for Cuba. I feel a movie coming. But, you know, it sounds like this guy was a complex, complex character. For those of you who love Cuba and are like, oh, yay, he helped the Cubans. But it sounds like he was a sort of a mercenary even though reportedly he told an undercover agent that Cuba was the, uh, that the United States was the enemy and that questioning his loyalty to Cuba was like questioning his manhood. Well, he's going to be doing some serious time. I'm sure that the FBI, the Department of Justice, doesn't go after a spy at this level without having all of their ducks in a row. He's been gathering intelligence against the United States since at least 1981. He had already retired, but now he is in jail. And think about this. This guy was at the upper levels of the State Department under President Clinton, President Bush, um, he was the ambassador to Bolivia for a couple of years, the beginning of the 2000s. That is one of those earth-shaking stories, I think. And I'm really looking forward to hearing all of the things that are going to come out as a result of this trial. Not that you can trust everything. You've got to parse it and double parse it. I can't wait to talk to Dr. Horn about it. I do think it was interesting. One story they told about this alleged spy, is that he went and started basically saying the U.S. hates um, Evo Morales and like really putting out propaganda around Bolivia's election to help the socialist win that election. I wonder if that's really true. Uh, the guy's in his 70s now. Apparently he was crying in court and I'm sure he will be looking at a long, long, long jail sentence if convicted. And then there were four. <laughs> the next Republican primary debate is coming up tonight in Alabama and there will only be four people on the stage. Interestingly, I thought it would be a different form, but I guess I'm not tracking the polls closely enough. Of course, the Satan is on there. Um, Nikki Haley, yes, she's been surging. That doesn't surprise me. Chris Christie, okay, that didn't surprise me too much. I mean, he's been a presidential contender before. He's mediagenic. He's always on CNN. But Vivek Ramaswamy, I didn't expect him to make the stage. Apparently, he did. And 
on the good side, you've got two Asian Americans, right? Him and Nikki Haley. On the bad side, they're both horrible candidates. And Vivek especially, because he has made anti-blackness part of his brand. He's made anti-blackness a la Donald J. Trump, which you guys like to give Trump a pass for, at least some do. I don't know why, maybe because he has supporters that look like you, a few of them, a handful, not as many as you think. But when Vivek does it, it's kind of like Santos trying to lie like Trump. You can't get away with it just because the orange menace can do it doesn't mean you can get away with it. So Vivek targeting Juneteenth, saying it's a useless holiday, making it clear that he is a supporter of many tropes, stereotypes, and um, the over-policing of black folks. I just didn't think he was going to make it to that stage, but he will be there. And of course, he who shall not be named will not be. He's going to be off raising money because he needs it with all of his 91 uh, charges pending. And also because he is the front runner by miles. He is just mopping up the floor with these other candidates. It is a real possibility that we could have another Trump term. And as one columnist in the Washington Post wrote, this really could mean the re I don't want to say return because I don't know that we've ever seen a dictatorship on this level in the United States of America. We've had some corrupt lawmakers. We've, i.e., the first Trump presidency, i.e., Richard Nixon, uh, the Bush administration, actually both Bush administrations. But we've never seen an out-and-out dictator who's willing to be blatant about it and actually change the rules in a way that makes us more in alignment with a classic dictatorship. And that's looking more and more real because the Republican National Committee has stated that they will support he who shall not be named for president, even if he is convicted. They've said that. He can be president from jail, and it's not likely that he'd be in jail anyway if he's convicted of something, he's probably going to have an ankle bracelet in one of his mansions and be his undervalued, overvalued mansions and be running around ranting and raving and charging secret service like he did before when they had to protect him at Trump Tower. So any conviction is going to actually profit him, not just as a fundraising tool, but as a means of forcing his government protection to pay rent at his Trump properties where he'll be holed up with an ankle bracelet. The prospects are just chilling. I do think that he's smart to skip the debate. Why should he go? He doesn't need to go. He gets free TV wherever he goes. We cover everything he does. And the debates without him are not too well watched. Apparently, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is still in the race, but he won't be on the stage because he didn't meet the criteria. The criteria are pretty strict when it comes to what the RNC is requiring to get on the stage. Of course, Doug Burgum, who's the governor of North Dakota, stepped down yesterday, I think, or the day before. He's not going to be running for 
president anymore. Well, they say he suspended his campaign. I guess that's the right way to say it. This guy's rich. He's got deep pockets. He's like a Rick Caruso on the national stage. He's a tech guy with big dollars who'd already invested millions in his own campaign, but now step back and he blasted the RNC saying that their rules for getting on the stage favor basically coastal elites. I mean, he didn't put it in those words, but that's pretty much what he was saying, that people from big cities, big media markets have an advantage. You have to have certain polling numbers. You have to have certain fundraising numbers, meaning you must have received money from a large number of individual distinct donors. So he couldn't just give himself a huge check and get on the debate stage. And you've got to have 6% polling in several different polls, something that most of these folks could not reach. Does that mean that the RNC is being an unfair gatekeeper that's preventing people from smaller markets or from less deep pocketed backgrounds from getting in the mix? That may well be. I mean, I think even without the RNC, that's a reality of politics today because to run nationally or even in a big state like Texas or California, you have to have a huge marketing budget. You've got to have a war chest that can penetrate a state that is as large as many countries. And that automatically removes many so-called grassroots candidates from contention. Is it fair? Well, campaign finance reform would help with that. And some kind of media finance, a media campaign finance reform. I'm not sure how that would look, but certainly the super wealthy governor makes a point. The North Dakota governor makes a point that to me, even though it's kind of crybaby wah wah coming from him because he has to drop out, it's actually an interesting conversation. How is the media and these national um, organizations, party organizations, how are they screening out people who should have a shot at being considered for national or statewide office? I'd love to hear from you, 800-920-1580. I'm Dominique DePrima, and you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. She's reclaiming her time on KBLA Talk 1580. More First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. The conversation continues right now now, with Dominique DePrima on First Things First. first. It does continue right now, 800-920-1580, 800-920-1580. Due to unforeseen circumstances, it is you, me, and this microphone, and I'd love to hear from you about whatever is on your mind. Jamie Foxx coming out. Uh, in public for the first time to talk about his illness after all of the internet rumors of his demise. And some people actually believe that wasn't the real Jamie Foxx talking on yesterday. They think it was a clone. He's had a couple movies come out, but he hasn't spoken uh, publicly about his ordeal. And this was at the Critics' Choice Association Awards celebration 
of cinema and television honoring black latina and aapi achievements he was close to tears and he accepted an award it's called the vanguard award got a standing ovation and he said that he couldn't walk he really couldn't walk just about 6 months ago that is scary um his family was very tight-lipped about his condition and he had to actually say i'm not a clone i mean i don't know if he had to say it but he's a comic so he couldn't resist uh saying that i do not think he's a clone just for the record that sounds like a dumb thing to say but i do think we talked about this earlier in the week celebrities have to protect their brands right his brand is well i mean he's one of the most talented people in hollywood he's funny he can sing he can act he's you know academy award level actor but vigor right being fit and all that and spry that's his brand and so of course his family is doing more than just being secretive they're protecting the brand that's why i was surprised that he spoke so plainly about it he said that he has a new respect for life and that's something that you hear all the time from people who have had near death experiences or who have had really serious illnesses and you can see it in his posts you can feel it just in his vibe i always prayed to have that level of respect and appreciation for every breath every day every bit of grace that our bodies give us when we punish them with fast food stress lack of sleep and all the other things that we do to be thankful because it's not promise he says he has a new respect for his art he's watching movie after movie after movie and listening to songs while he was recovering and he really kind of put out a challenge or maybe an encouragement to people not to give up on his art now he didn't get super super specific but he did say he went to helen back and he's pushing back again it's the brand he's not paralyzed he's not blonde blind he's not a clone there's another piece of this which is insurance right he won't insure a production or it's more expensive to insure a production if the lead actor is shaky they might die on you i mean i know that sounds crude but it is what it is um if they might die on you during the production and you can't finish the show although now with ai maybe they can then that makes you too much of a risk so once again you know it's all business all down to the money and so it was refreshing to hear him speak up and share encouragement and i'm glad to see that he's well and not a clone no matter what y'all think y'all play too much on social media I'm starting to think maybe i'm too much of a snowflake for social media especially x man it's it's always been kind of rough on x but i think it's gotten 
much more so. Um, the fight over funding is getting more and more heated. We are still looking at our own possible government shutdown in January and February. Uh, the White House says they're getting short on funds to cover the costs of the war in Ukraine. And of course, the second war that we are partially funding, maybe largely funding, um, is going to be draining coffers again even more. And let's not act like the U.S. has not got other fronts that we are spending money on as far as military aid to foreign countries. I'm not against aid for foreign countries, i.e. you're helping them build their green infrastructure. This is something that is being talked about at the COP um, summit. What is the rich nation's responsibility for helping less wealthy nations get up to speed on green infrastructure, specifically in Africa and other so-called low-income countries. And I say so-called because many times we've taken the resources out of those countries in the form of oil, minerals, whatever it might be. Then we underpay for those resources. We manipulate the governance of those countries and then complain that they're poor and under-resourced. So when it comes to preparing these other nations, these less wealthy nations for the climate crisis, what is a wealthy nation's responsibility? That's in the spotlight this week. And the U.S. has given a paltry $17 million pledge to this fund to help countries deal with the impacts of the climate crisis. That's probably less than the U.S. military spends on toothpicks. It is a tiny amount of money. It's not even a Hollywood film budget. That's what you're willing to give when our, our carbon footprint as the United States of America that's driving this crisis, that's forcing this emergency on these less fortunate nations because we all share the same globe. We all share the same ozone, the same atmosphere, the same air, the same oceans. And yet we have a disproportionate impact on polluting them. But the U.S. is like, yeah, I got 17 million on it. That doesn't make any sense. That's like you went to dinner with your girlfriends or your guy friends and you're splitting the check. And the one that ate the most is paying the least when the check comes. That's exactly what it's like. KBLA is making it plain for you every day. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Saving the planet to me trumps everything. Because if we don't have a habitable environment, we do not have any chance of fixing any of these other problems because it is an existential crisis. Yeah, we got 17 million on it. We must do better. How does that track with the Biden administration's green imagery? Certainly with the um, infrastructure plan, they're making big moves here in the United States, but we got to do better 
about cleaning up the messes we make or paying our fair share of the bill at that restaurant when the restaurant um, is serving up the future of our planet. 800-920-1580. It's time for news, traffic, and sports, and then more conversation only right here. From our heart to your heart. Happy holidays to you and the ones you love. From KBLA Talk 1580. Heard any other talk radio lately that sounds anything like this? We didn't think so. You're listening to Unapologetically Progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Being joined in the clutch this morning by my colleague, Avi Bernard. He hosts in real time. Uh, 4 to 6 p.m. on Fridays. You may remember him, those of you who listened to the front page. He was uh, one of the associate producers on that show, hosted for me many, many a day. And he is also the producer of Arriva Martin in real time, an actor and so much more. Avi Bernard, welcome. Thanks, Dominique, and I really appreciate that intro. That's a nice way to wake up today. (laughs) <laughs> well, thanks for waking up. I know you sleep is precious for you because you have a little one. So <laughs> thanks for giving up some of it for the cause of KBLA always, this always happy, Always happy to do it for you, Dominique. Thank you. So, hey, Avi, you're a member of sag After. Did you vote? I yet? am. I'm going to vote today. It's, uh, it's been hard to, to go through that contract. Uh, I think I'm going to go yeah. ahead and vote to approve, though. I think it's uh, it's just so many members who I respect uh, have have suggested voting to approve, including the SAG after president Fran Drescher. So I think I'm going to go ahead and vote to approve today. It's a uh, you know it was it was really difficult to to get through that strike. I was on the picket line striking and uh, or or marching rather, and I just think it's time for this to end. I think that the the representative uh, negotiating committee did a great job of, of getting the best terms that we can get and um, putting protections in there for AI and increases in wages and things like that. So I think I'm going to go ahead and vote to approve today. Yeah, I haven't voted yet either. We have until 5 o'clock today. And that's the deadline. That's right. Um, and you're right. The work has been a lot. And we've seen some real improvement, especially uh, the the raises, right? And it's outside right. the pattern of the raises that they usually do. They usually only give you whatever the other unions got. They went outside that so-called industry rule. But other people that I greatly respect have raised some pretty serious concerns. One of them, Kendrick Sampson from How to Get Away with Murder and Insecure, who's also an activist, a progressive, who's out there on the front lines with Black Lives Matter and other causes, and Justine Bateman, they're saying the AI protections are not enough. That if you, say, for example, signed a contract to allow a certain amount of your name, likeness, voice to be used on a project, and then we went on strike, for example, that studio could go ahead and complete the project while you're on the picket line. Mm. They're saying that takes yeah. away our leverage for next time. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably a valid point. You know, it's it's hard to to get everything exactly right all of the time. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly if 
if they're right or if, uh, if if people who disagree with them are right. I just know that it, it's hard to get everything exactly right all the time, especially in intense negotiations like this. And I think on the heels of the writer's strike ending, I think we probably got the best possible terms we could get. And we could go back on strike. We could vote to not approve this contract and go back on strike. And I'm not sure what terms will end up then or how long this will, will this will drag out. But uh, but if if that's what the the collective decided to do, I'd be down for that too. You know, so uh, I'm 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 on the mm. team, and it just uh, it just depends on on what everyone collectively thinks is best. Um, I'm down for that. Yeah, of course we didn't win on the residual either because we're looking for a percentage of streaming profits did not get that, but we did get some new um, rewards, I guess you could call them bonus money for the top streaming shows. And I agree with you, Avi, you're never going to get everything you want in a contract negotiation, but this feels like a really critical crossroads because of AI. Yeah, it is a critical crossroads and AI is a, is a very scary thing not just for actors but for so many industries and and so me not being an ai expert myself i mean it's hard to know uh, is is this enough is this not enough um but i just i feel like the sag after negotiating committee does have the best interest of actors at heart and i don't think they would have caved if they didn't feel like it was enough and maybe they're wrong maybe it's not enough and maybe kendrick sampson and others are correct but uh, it, it's hard to know. And so, you know, I'm going to try to go through the contract some today before I vote. I know it's last minute, but, you know, it's uh, that's kind of how, how we actors do, as as you know. Uh, but I, um, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to, you know, just just trust my instinct on this one. And uh, and, and hopefully it'll, it'll turn out turn out well. But if if we were getting widespread advice um that to, to not approve then i would i would go ahead and not approve you know it's uh it's one of those things where you yeah. kind of you kind of have to just um kind of have to just go with your instinct and and trust uh, the people who who um you know say it's going to be all right yeah it's funny you say that because i mean i think it is going to pass that's my feeling even though only 85 percent of the board voted to pass it i do think it's not widespread enough, the criticism. I just hope we don't regret it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I hope we don't regret it too. And uh, and in, in the situation where we do have to go on strike in the middle of a production and they are able to complete, uh, complete a project uh, because they do have the authorization to use some AI, then obviously that wouldn't be favorable, but if that's the only thing that they can do, then that, I guess, you know, that that's not the worst situation. If that's all that they're able to do with the use of AI, they're not able to, to just use our image and likeness without our permission. If they're not able to use our, use the image of extras in perpetuity without any pay, then I think there are some, some solid protections in place, even if they're not perfect. Yeah. No, it's definitely an improvement. That, that was just one example. But imagine them using AI to promote projects while we're on strike. Mm. I mean, what they're talking about is diminished leverage, right? Which is everything in a strike. But to your point, if we go back out now, and then we're going to be going through the entire 
award season, at that point, the studios have thrown a whole year in the trash. They're missing the promotional opportunity of these award shows. They, I believe they would play pretty serious hardball, try to starve us out probably for another six months or so. Hey, you never know. And if that's what it takes, if that's what it took, then, you know, I'd be down for that too. You know, I'm just, I'm <laughs> trying to look out for the collective. <laughs> I'm trying to look out for the collective. And, and thankfully I do other things to where I, I don't depend on acting uh, for my livelihood. Uh, but it's, um, it's, a t it's definitely a tough situation. And it's one of those things where it's like, man, I, I wish we had all the answers. I wish we had everything that we wanted. I wish we had 100% of our asks. But unfortunately, that's just not always the case. Yeah. Well, speaking of relying on acting, um, Congressman, former Congressman George Santos is now on Cameo doing <laughs> videos. You know, I said yesterday he's going to have to find a new grift or some kind of job, and apparently he's found his calling. Uh, I thought it was interesting <laughs> that Senator John Fetterman hired him to do an encouraging message for Senator Bob Menendez, who, as you know, is facing some pretty serious charges. This is so hilarious. I, I love that John Fetterman did that. John Fetterman, in addition to not being the most well-dressed senator, he has a good sense of humor. you got to give it to him. I mean, it, this is the perfect way to use George Santos uh, in, in the Cameo app, which I don't think uh, everyone, if, in case everyone's not familiar with it, it's when you can pay someone, you can pay celebrities if they're on there to send you a birthday message or send you uh, a congratulations on your retirement, whatever you want. And, and so this is hilarious. I mean, George Santos obviously uh, is an embarrassment to himself and to his district, but uh, I, I, was, I was saying on the radio, I, I don't know what he's going to do for work, and he found a way. It is a new grift, and Although I don't think, the one thing that I would say about John Fetterman doing this is I wouldn't pay him to do anything. But it is, it is a, a, a <laughs> funny way to, um, it is a funny way to, uh, to kind of make fun of him and, and, and to try to uh, make fun of Bob, uh, Senator Bob Menendez in New Jersey as well because he needs to step down and he won't. But this is, this is part of the Trump residual that's unfortunate. There are so many aspects of the Trump uh, residual effect that are unfortunate but this is one of them and that people do not resign even when they are dead to rights even when there's all the evidence in the world against them they will not resign they'll they'll claim it's a witch hunt they'll claim that they're being persecuted by the media or it's a it's a political assassination or whatever they want to say that that that's what all of these politicians who are guilty of uh, egregious crimes like Bob Menendez, like George Santos, they won't resign and they have to be removed. And so even this uh, this cameo appearance by George Santos probably won't move Bob Menendez, but I do think it's hilarious. And uh, and George Santos, you know, maybe he can now uh, continue his uh, his OnlyFans subscription. <laughs> Ew, now that I wouldn't pay for. But I do think I would pay Santos to do a message. I was trying to think, maybe we should do one for Tavis. Happy birthday, Tavis, from your biggest <laughs> fan. Or I don't know. I think it would be a great gift uh, for somebody. Well, well so you, I, just, you just ruined the surprise, Dominique. <laughs> we we could have did it, you know. <laughs> yeah, from your good buddy, George. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I do think that you're right about this stepping down thing. They're making Richard Nixon look principled, which is in crazy and incredible. Yeah, I mean, this, this that reminds me of uh, Paul Mooney, who you who you have interviewed before in the past uh, when he was on Dave Chappelle's. So um, he asked why why do white people love Ryan Gumble uh, or uh, why do white <laughs> people love Wayne Brady. White people love Wayne Brady because he makes Bryant Gumble look like Malcolm X. And so if you're making <laughs> if you're yeah. making Richard Nixon look principled, I mean, that's pretty sad. And and you're right, but that's that's and I don't even think Richard Nixon would have resigned if he was living if he was president in this era. If, Re if Richard yeah. Nixon was president in this era, he would have probably uh finished his term. He would have uh probably run for another term. He probably would have uh uh, he probably wouldn't have given up power. He probably would have. Right, he would have oh, changed you know the Constitution probably, like Trump yeah, is going to try to do when he gets back in. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. well, hopefully he doesn't, but yeah, hopefully he doesn't get back in. But he, if he does get back in, he's definitely going to try to do that. And that's, oof, don't get me started on that. But this, these Santos videos are cheap. It's only 200 bucks. I mean, for a whole historical moment. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a bargain. <laughs> Well, I didn't realize it was only two hundred bucks. Well, now you know, maybe that's just in my wife's uh, uh, message. So it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I just think it. At least he's going to do the actual work, unlike what he's done on any of his other jobs. He actually has to show up and make the video, or you don't pay. I love that um, Ohio Democrats are using this as a weapon against a Senate candidate. Bernie Moreno, they got Santos to do a cameo video thanking him for his contributions to his campaign. Thank you for when I ran for Congress for maxing out my campaign. It says, unfortunately, you know, it's ended, it's over, but I want to say thank you very much for that donation and for all the support. And I hope in the future I can come back and be part of the game again. Imagine that as a campaign weapon, which is what they've done. Um, the Democrats in Ohio using a cameo by Santos to try to take down a Republican candidate. That is, uh, that would be a very solid ad if they're able to. I'm not sure what the what the licensing rights are with cameo, but if you're able to turn that into a commercial, oh, that is that is lethal right there. That's a, that, that is a really good idea. And if if hey, if you're able to to use it to your advantage, uh, and, and certainly we need all the the help in Ohio we can get. Uh, especially with uh, Senator Sherrod Brown being up for re-election, you know, uh, this coming cycle. I mean, hey, Ohio Democrats, whatever you got to do, let's get it done. I mean, if you got to use a, a George Santos cameo video <laughs> and uh, whatever you got to do, I'm, I'm with you. Let's, let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's turn Ohio at least back to purple. Right, because even if they can't use it as an ad, they certainly can run it on socials. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. I mean, I wasn't sure what the what the cameo uh, rules of uh, of usage were. I'm not sure if they if they if their union <laughs> had, had a good representative. <laughs> so if, if we're not able to use them on social media or not, but if, hey, but I, I think you're right. If you're able to use that at all, even on social, that, that that's that's very potent. I think <laughs> everyone knows who George Santos is, and everyone just uh, just probably cringes when they see him. And and I think in a use like that. That that would be not only a good uh, a good solid uh, ad, but 
it would make people laugh and it's memorable. And so I think Republicans are, are really going to suffer for having not only elected George Santos, but having allowed him to serve uh, in the House of Repres- Representatives for so long before they finally removed him. They should have removed him a long time ago. Uh, and the fact that they didn't, uh, <laughs> they're going to have to suffer for that. I think that's right. I think that everyone's trying to distance themselves from Mr. Santos, and that's why these cameo videos are so brilliant. To your point about Menendez, are you one who thinks he should be kicked out as well? I think if if there's evidence, and, and so with George Santos, you know, he he was kicked out after this this most recent vote, but he wasn't removed after the first vote because they hadn't completed, the House Ethics Committee hadn't completed their investigation and he hadn't been found guilty of a crime in a court of law. So although we, we had a pretty good idea that, that, he was a, that he was a horrible person and that he had committed crimes, they still, the, the, House, the House Ethics Committee hadn't completed their, their thing. And so I think if, there, if the Senate... Um, ethics committee, if there's a, whatever body they have to investigate this kind of thing in the Senate, whatever committee they have to investigate this kind of thing in the Senate, once they complete an investigation and, or once, uh, Senator Menendez, uh, is found guilty of something in court, then absolutely he should be removed. And so the only, only reason I say that is because you don't want a situation where, <clears throat> where someone can be removed just because they're accused of something. And so although it, it looks horrible for him and he's almost certainly guilty, I think that there's just, there should be some investigation completed and then get his ass out of there. <laughs> Avi Bernard joining me. You can, of course, hear him 4 to 6 p.m. in real time on Fridays, continuing the conversation when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. More of First Things First with Dominique DePrima when we come forward. This is KBLA Talk 1580, where hate loses and love wins. And we're talking with Avi Bernard, my colleague here at KBLA. You can hear him in real time Fridays from 4 to 6 p.m. It's crazy because it doesn't seem like election season, but it is election season. It is all the way upon us. And since we've moved our primaries in California up to March... That means once we get out of the holidays, finish celebrating New Year's, we'll be getting hit with our ballots. They're coming in February, the um, vote by mail ballots. Are you tracking anything in particular in these California elections? Well, I mean, obviously just the California Senate race uh, has my interest. You know, um, Representative Barbara Lee uh, is going to be in a tough race with Adam Schiff and Katie Porter. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, Rep. Lee on our show a couple of times. And it's uh, going to be interesting to see what happens um, with that race. You know, I I think it's it's, we're lucky as Californians that we have a a lot of good um, prospects. And even if we are unable to get Rep. Lee uh, elected, then we it's not like we have some horrible Republican that's going to be there instead. Um, but, uh, but yeah, with that being said, it would be nice to, to have um, a, a black woman senator, a full-time, a full-term senator again. I know we have LaFonza Butler in there now who was, uh, who was appointed, 
by Governor Newsom. But uh, but yeah, I would love to see uh, Rep Lee get that get that seat. Yeah, she's coming on first things first on Monday. If you guys want to talk to her, and you're right, those are progressive candidates in that race to varying degrees. Katie Porter, who I wish would stay put. So we could keep that seat, mm -hmm. which is not safe mm -hmm. in Orange County. Exactly. And Representative Schiff, who many people know as an impeachment manager. Yeah, and, and Adam Schiff has has been, uh, I, I agree with you 100% on Katie Porter. She should stay there. That, that's a tough seat that she won. I applaud her for doing that. She's done a great job in that seat, uh, and we need that seat. Uh, so I do wish she would stay put as well, and I don't think she's going to win anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, Adam Schiff, I, I do like Adam Schiff a lot. He's been principled um, uh, as a Democrat, and he did a great job on the uh, impeachment committee on the January 6th committee. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a tough race, and uh, I wish that um, more people knew about Rep. Lee and, and her um, – and her service and what she would bring to the table. But, uh, but you know, it's, uh, we're, we're, we're fortunate that we're not going to have some, some psycho right-winger instead. Yeah, I think that's right. I must say I have been disappointed in the very hard line that Adam Schiff has taken on the Gaza conflict. Um, I would expect as a progressive that he would have a more nuanced view. Yeah, yeah, and then that that issue in particular has 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 been very difficult, uh, and has been very has shown a lot of uh, people to perhaps not be on the right side as we as we uh, as we would want them to be, and um, it, it's a uh, it's it's a difficult situation. That that's a whole that's a whole other conversation, and um, yeah, I, I didn't I wasn't I wasn't aware uh, of uh, Adam Schiff's hard line stance on that, but. But like I said, you know, I, I, I'm supporting uh, Rep. Lee, and I, I wish that she, um, I hope that she can can somehow find a way to win that race. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff, Avi. Uh, find Avi Bernard on all the social media. You can also find him Fridays right here on KBLA Talk 1580. Thanks for stopping in. Always a pleasure, Dominique. Go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> we are I talking could. with... Congresswoman Sydney Kamlager Dove when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580.